Welcome to Talking Kotlin. On this episode, we're speaking with Sebastian Deleuze, who's a developer, Spring, and Project React committer at Pivotal. Sebastian, welcome to the show. It's great to have you on. Hey, happy to be here. So you live in France, right? Yeah, I live in Lyon uh, for uh, 10 years now, and I'm working uh, remotely for Pivotal from uh, a co-working space. Uh, yeah, I, I remember I actually went to Lyon for the conference that you had, Mixit, MixIT. Yeah, yeah, Mixit. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we are organizing a conference. It's in April, uh, two, two days, and it's uh, about various, uh, various technologies and, and other kind of talks. How long have you actually been at Pivotal? I'm working for Pivotal for two, uh, two three years now. Uh, previously, I was working uh, in Worldline. That's a company where I was developing some websites for big companies like uh, Le Louvre, IGN, Meteo France. And I was also working in a, in a lab called, called Innovation Labs. And that's here I work on mainly open source technologies. And we began to build something that was a little bit like Spring Boots uh, uh, in the early days. And uh, yeah, that's uh, after that I, I moved to Pivotal to work on the uh, Spring Farm of Team. So you were actually started working on something that was Spring Boot or a, a kind of alternative to Spring Boot? Alternative that was before Spring Boot existed, but we have the same need that currently Spring Boot addressed. So we were uh, creating a lot of uh, new projects based on Spring and we we had to repeat the configuration to, to share good practice between teams. So we created a, a, an open source project called RESTHUB, which is much uh, less great than Spring Boot, obviously, but uh, they were, this project was sharing the same goals. So uh, that, that's uh, thanks to that that we, we began to, to work and contribute with Brian Closer, which is also another uh, uh, cont uh, contributor to, to Spring and now. He worked in Pivotal with us uh, to the to Spring Framework. I gotta say, because like I come from uh, various backgrounds, but my most recent background was .NET. And, you know, from the .NET side, Java is, you know how different communities perceive each other, right? And a lot of people in the .NET community, and in fact, you and I were having a conversation about this on Twitter a couple of days ago with a gentleman, perceive Spring as this really heavyweight, overly complex XML-based configuration uh, project that people just want to stay away from. And I think that there's a real misconception there, specifically to Spring Boot, right? Yeah, yeah. Things uh, as evolve a lot. And in fact, we, 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 see, uh, we see some people uh, that has an experience with a Spring Framework uh, a long time ago, where, where, when there were a lot of uh, XML configuration and, and basically uh, nowadays when you build a new Spring application, uh, nobody does that. Uh, you just create a Spring Boot application going on start.spring.io. Uh, you have a uh, Java config based uh, configuration. So you are just using annotations and Java code to configure your application plus some uh, application properties or YAML. And really, uh, that's a very uh, concise code to configure your application. And I, I think Spring Boot was a game changer. It, it, it really just reused what, what there is in Spring Framework. It, it, it reused the building blocks that we have in Spring Framework, but it make it really uh, easy to, to start and it scale. I mean, that's not just a starter. 
uh, that help to start your project easily uh, and fast, but uh, it also works on big projects. And I, I think that's one of the key of the success of Spring Boot. Uh, you, you, it enables you to, to start really fast and it scale for much bigger projects in the enterprise world. Yeah, and when people ask me, like, you know, what, what framework should I use uh, for web when I'm doing development in Kotlin, I, I always say to them, like, you really need to take a look at Spring Boot because there's so much goodness in there and there's so many different things that it's basically a matter of including dependencies and getting a whole bunch of functionality that it, it really deserves uh, all the love that it gets. Yeah. Yeah, the Spring Boot does uh, an amazing jo job in integrating the various technologies and providing some kind of mechanism where you just add some dependency and that works basically. You don't have to do some tricks in terms of configuration and, and sometimes finding the right defaults. I mean, we have to, to draw the line be between the, what we do, we do automatically and what is configurable by, by the user. And the good thing is that uh, even if it provides some automatic mechanism, uh, you can easily uh, uh, disable that to, to, to provide your own behavior. Yeah, I mean, it always goes to the balancing of uh, convention over configuration versus everything needing to be configured over and over again. The, the problem there sometimes is that people, you know, when there is too many conventions, often that falls into the realm of magic and people kind of get lost of, you know, why is the framework doing this or why is it doing that? And is that something that is explicitly documented or something that you can easily override with Spring? Yeah, it, it is documented and uh, Stefan Nicole and Andy Wickelson gave a, a very nice talk in, in DevOps Belgium this year to, to explain that uh, th there is no magic in Spring Boot and they really detail uh, how you can uh, disable, uh, how you can also build your own stuff using the same mechanism that Spring Boot use. Uh, I mean, in your company, you may have some uh, specific libraries uh, that you want to integrate in the same way that Spring Boot team uh, integrate various technologies. So they really explain uh, how, how to deal with that, with a mechanism like uh, uh, conditional bin, uh, uh, since uh, basically there is, uh, this is the mechanism at the, at the basis of Spring Boot where you enable such bin, such feature because there is such class in the class path, because there is such dependency, or because uh, somebody has put uh, such annotation in your application. So they, they really did a, a great job uh, to, to explain that uh, mechanism uh, in order to... It, it's nice to be able to understand how Spring Boot works internally to, to really understand uh, it. And also it enables you to, to reuse this kind of mechanism for your home purpose. Yeah. And so let's talk Kotlin because I mean, this is talking Kotlin, right? And I know early on you started to take quite a bit of interest in Kotlin. Yeah. How did that start? What, what, what happened there? Oh, uh, I mean, uh, credits to my, uh, my cousin, uh, Gaetan Zorichak. We, he is a long time uh, Kotlin believer, far uh, before than me. And uh, I, I was just looking, I mean, I, I was interested by, by, by Kotlin, but I, I, have, I have always been interested by uh, uh, finding um, a good trade-off between uh, dynamic and static languages. I mean, I developed for Java for many years. Uh, I, I love Java. We use it a lot in, in the Spring uh, ecosystem. But I also uh, feel when I was developing uh, application in my uh, former job at, uh, at Worldline, uh, that's uh, it's 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 a shame that in uh, I mean 
uh, we still have to write these uh, setters and getters. We still lose sometimes by writing uh, duplicated information we, where we declare a type. Uh, I had such frustration and I, I really think that uh, Java is still a, a wonderful language to, to just build a library and the ecosystem, but for, for, for applications, uh, there is a, a, a need for a, a, a better language. And um, I really like statically typed language because I like autocompletes, I like uh, a lot of checks when I compile my application, but at the same time, I wanted a shorter syntax. So uh, that's, that's where uh, I think Kotlin is really um, a good fit. Uh, it's, uh, it's innovative, it's pragmatic, it provides a short code, but with the same level of static typing than Java. And I think that's a good fit because, uh, yeah, when you are building big projects, I mean, uh, you, you are using a lot of API and you want just your uh, control plus uh, space, provide you uh, everything available. So yeah, Kotlin seems to me a good trade-off. And as I usually say, I think Kotlin and Spring Boot share the same mindset. They are both pragmatic and innovative. Uh, pragmatic because Kotlin, I think Kotlin was designed uh, with taking in account uh, the GVM and what is possible to do with the bytecode and what is not possible. Uh, it was also designed with uh, Java interoperability in mind. And that's a key point. I mean, if if Kotlin had a bad Java interrupt, we, we would have never integrated into a Spring Framework 5 like I announced yesterday. Uh, so this kind of good trade-off um, really makes sense. Yeah, and speaking about that, because yesterday, as you said, you mentioned, uh, well, you announced in the blog post a whole bunch of features in Spring 5.0, which is specifically targeted at Kotlin. And, and people that use Kotlin. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of those goodies that, that are now part of 5.0? Yeah, sure. Uh, so in fact, we, we, we started a few months ago by uh, integrating uh, support for Kotlin in the start.spring.io, uh, which is a Spring initializer that allow you to start easily a Kotlin project, but we still had not uh, directly Kotlin support. Um, so we introduced some um, some some uh, new Kotlin feature, and uh, yesterday uh, indeed I announced that we are uh, providing this feature directly in, in Spring Framework Five. So that means that uh, the, the the Kotlin feature that we are going to support are directly uh, bundled into um, into Spring Framework jars, and that we have added Kotlin codes into uh, Spring Framework code base. And we, we don't do that with uh, a lot of language, so uh, it took some time to, to, to get there, but uh, just in time for Spring Framework 5, that will be okay. And uh, so the new feature that we are introducing is, for example, leveraging Kotlin nullable information. So um, a, a big advantage of Kotlin is that it, it enables to know uh, if a type is nullable or not with the question mark. Uh, and um, in Spring, we are going to reuse this information to know, uh, for example, if an HTTP parameter in Spring MVC or in the upcoming Spring Reactive Web Framework is required or not. Uh, previously in Java, we had a required Boolean uh, annotation attribute. 
Uh, now we don't uh, require using this uh, attribute in, in Kotlin. We just take advantage of the uh, information bring by the type system. So in essence, what you're saying is that when someone declares, for example, a, a parameter, that if they declare it as a nullable type in Kotlin, you automatically uh, map that to whether it's required or not required as part of the as part of the request, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, that's cool. Uh, another kind of feature is um, uh, bringing some Kotlin extensions uh, to Spring Framework. So I think, uh, yeah, Kotlin extensions are, are, are one of the most awesome features of Kotlin. Basically, uh, it allows us to extend existing API like the Spring Framework API uh, with additional methods uh, and uh, provide some more uh, Kotlin native um, uh, method. Because uh, Kotlin has a good Java interrupt, but for some uh, for some features, uh, like for example the reify type parameters that allow to to provide a workaround to a generic type eraser, uh, it allows us to provide some extension from the REST template uh, HTTP client, for example, or for for the functional web API um, server client. That allow us to take advantage of this reified support from from Kotlin, and uh, to, for example, uh, I have put an example in my in my blog post. But for example, when you have to deal with uh, generic types like list of something, uh, that allow us to 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 reuse this type information to provide a simple API. We also added uh, support for uh, K class. So K class is a Kotlin class. And that allows us to provide a, a better syntax when you are calling um, a Spring Framework method uh, that provides a class as a parameter. Yeah, and extensions is actually something we touched on uh, in the previous show when I was speaking to Jake, uh, because he's a big fan of Kotlin extensions as well. And some of this, if I'm not mistaken, you mentioned uh, in the blog post that they originated or they were inspired by a project uh, from Mario Arias, which is called Kotlin Primavera. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. We had a uh, we had some months ago some very nice con community contribution with this Kotlin Primavera um, uh, project. We also had some contribution via pull request on Spring Framework, and so now um, basically uh, I, I created a Spring uh, Kotlin project because uh, we were not sure at that time that we would integrate that. But given the um, yeah the, the nice uh, Kotlin uh, um, uh, evolution, I, I mean we when we started to work with Kotlin, uh, we obviously found uh, a few pain points where when working with it, and I, I must say that the, the Kotlin team um, has been uh, yeah quite awesome by really listening and taking in account most of our feedback. So. Uh, we 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 also um, had um, a very nice uh, Kotlin Spring plugin uh, created and announced a few a few days ago. So w one of the pain points is that in Spring, we we for configuration classes or transactional support, we basically extend internally the the, the classes implementation with Sejalib proxies. And uh, since uh, uh, Kotlin classes are final by default, basically, we, we had to add open keywords to each uh, class and uh, member function of this uh, bin class. So now with the Kotlin Spring plugin that automatically opens such, uh, such class when it is annotated with a Spring annotation, 
basically uh, developing a Spring Boot application, an annotation-based Spring Boot application, feels uh, much more uh, natural and idiomatic. You don't have to, to put this kind of thing. So that, that's the kind of thing that also um, yeah, uh, made us uh, uh, directly integrate uh, Kotlin support because we, we, we see uh, uh, community adoption. We, had, um, we, we saw a very nice evolution of the language. And we also think that uh, at least I, th I think and uh, a lot of people in the Spring team really really like Kotlin. Uh, it's a, it's a nice way to 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 develop a Spring Boot application. And again, I think they share the same mindset. Yeah, and coming back to the point about the open, because I remember that when you and I first started to talk, this was your your major grief. It was the one of the major issues because by default in Kotlin, classes are final. So given that Spring requires the the proxy, the dynamic proxy that you're using, it needs to be declared as open. And the Kotlin team has worked with you guys to create this Spring plugin that allows you to basically, what you're saying is that certain classes that have specific annotations, it will treat these classes as open. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and for a person that's actually developing Spring, a Spring Boot application, what do they require for this to work? Is it is it a plugin that is part of the IDE or would it be part of Maven or Gradle or how would it work? Yeah, basically you just declare a single line plugin in your Maven or Gradle configuration. And the, the result is that you, you don't have to, to, to add manually the open keyword for each function member and each class. As soon as you have a, a Spring bin class, it is automatically open. So. Basically, that works like uh, like uh, like in Java, where where you don't have to to take care about that, and that's allow allow to avoid uh, polluting your code base with such technical uh, concern. Uh, basically, uh, people should not have to know that uh, at the runtime, this Spring configuration classes should be open. That's just a technical detail. So now with just a single uh, plugin. Uh, declared in Maven or Gradle configuration that works as expected. And we have updated um, our uh, Kotlin project templates for both Maven and Gradle on start.spring.io to automatically use that plugin. So basically, uh, I think a lot of people won't uh, ever know about this issue <laughs> now that it's available. Yeah, it's basically transparent, essentially. And, and talking about spring uh, start.spring.io, uh, you generate templates right now. I know that you do the Maven and the Gradle. Do you actually do the, because I saw in the blog post that you're also starting to work with Kotlin script for Gradle, you know, that Gradle now allows you to write the scripts using Kotlin. Are you generating also Gradle scripts using Kotlin or are there plans to do that? Yeah, we are currently discussing that. Uh, I, I tend to think we will do it and provide it at some point. We are still discussing about the best way to do that, uh, since um, uh, yeah, the, the Kotlin the Kotlin build for Gradle is a natural choice to me for uh, Kotlin project and even for Java project. I think it could be valuable because uh, concretely uh, I, I like Gradle, but honestly the lack of autocomplete and validation when you write your your your, your build.gradle file, especially when you are coming from the Maven world where it's quite uh, uh, good. Uh, for such support in the IDE, uh, that that was a big drawback. So so now being able to have the full autocomplete uh, and uh, and the validation of, of your build uh, your Gradle build when writing it, it's 
it's yeah i think that's a game changer for gradle so even for java project i think that will uh, be useful when it will be more uh, mature but uh, yeah i think that's uh, that begins to be pretty usable and uh, i I think we will support that uh, in, in start.spring.io, uh, but we, we want to support that in the right way. So we are, we are discussing that, uh, but uh, even now uh, I, I have um, in my blog post from yesterday, I have put some example of uh, Kotlin application that use uh, the Gradle uh, Kotlin thing. I mean, all the Kotlin project I create nowadays uh, are, are using it because that, that's just a natural choice to use uh, Kotlin to describe your build. Yeah. And do you have an optional dependency on Kotlin? So, for instance, if someone wants to use Spring right now, Spring Boot, do they require Kotlin or is it only when they want to actually use some of the Kotlin features, extensions, etc.? Uh, that's only... only We integrate Kotlin in Spring Framework and Spring Boot like uh, other technologies. Uh, so... That's only when you, you use Kotlin that you want to, you have to add the Kotlin uh, dependency. And if you don't uh, use Kotlin at all, you just write your Spring Framework and Spring Boot project like, like usual. I'm guessing that core code of Spring Boot is still mostly Java, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. The, the, um, the code base of Spring Framework and Spring Boot is still Java. We have just added currently only in Spring Framework and maybe... Uh, maybe there, there, yeah, there could be some Spring Boot Kotlin extensions as well if the community asks that. And some people have already uh, begun to ask that, obviously. Uh, we are just adding Kotlin code uh, in the Spring code base to support, uh, for example, uh, to add Kotlin extensions or, or to support the Kotlin-based script templating or, or things like that. And talking about community, What's the adoption been like? I mean, have you received a lot of demand for, for Kotlin features? I mean, guessing that you've incorporated some of this, there, there's been some demand, but do you have any numbers in terms of adoption, in terms of like people that are preferring to use Kotlin with Spring? No, I, I have not real figures. Uh, we, we add some community contribution and we, we add some community feedbacks that required, requested uh, uh, some Kotlin support. But uh, given the, the huge number, uh, I mean, I published yesterday this blog post uh, introducing Kotlin uh, support in Spring Framework 5, and I had more than 150 retweets. Uh, a lot of people uh, saw the blog post, and, and we had really awesome feedbacks. I mean, we had a huge number of, thank you, that's a right way to, to, to move on. And so I really, yeah, I think people were maybe waiting <laughs> to see uh, what, uh, what was the support in the, in the ecosystem. And uh, with the Gradle support for Kotlin and now the Spring support, I, I tend to think we will see more and more uh, people using it, but I have no, no specific figure to, to, to share with you. Yeah, and it's, it's very hard. I mean, you know, they, we get often asked the same questions, like how many applications are written in Kotlin? We're like, sorry, we have no idea. I mean, you can guess by the number of people that you know submit uh, that they've written an application in Kotlin or look at some of the Android applications etc but it's it's really hard to measure these things yeah in the, in the Android ecosystem I, I, I know that uh, Kotlin is pretty yeah pretty well uh, widely used uh, that's uh, that's known uh, in in the server ecosystem I, I, th I think people were 
I mean, people are experimenting, trying, but uh, we had also a lot of people asking, do you really support Kotlin? <laughs> because uh, before, before yesterday, uh, we added some support in start.spring.io and I published a few blog posts, but we, I, I think people wanted to, to really have uh, also, uh, yeah, dedicated support to, to be sure that, uh, I, I mean, choosing a technology for a project is, is also uh, some risk management and, and you, everybody know that Spring APIs are really uh, stable and, and that's a good bet to, to use. But for, for Kotlin, I think people waited some other uh, signals. Yeah, and and I've, uh, from our side, I mean, for it's great, and, and we really appreciate that that you're doing this because it also pushes the message that Kotlin is a language that can be used at an industrial scale for any type of application. You know, it's not a niche in mobile, it's not a niche in desktop or anything like that. So it is interesting though that you say. I've noticed this. I don't know if you've noticed this uh, at all, but I kind of find different communities somewhat different in terms of adoption of technologies. Like, you know, a lot of people that wanted to adopt Kotlin, they said, we're waiting for the 1.0. And then you can go and see people writing applications in Node.js with a version number of 0.05621 that changes tomorrow by 100 numbers you know what i'm saying it's i i feel like different communities have different uh requirements for when adopting technology or do risk management in a different way so to speak so you're also involved in and i don't want to get too much into this because i'd love to bring you back on the show to discuss this but you're also involved in some other thing called project reactor right which has to do with reactive programming yeah, I think that's another part and, and uh, another reason why I think Kotlin and Spring and Rector could be a, a play well together. Um, we have started a few months and maybe years ago <laughs> uh, working on the reactive side uh, because uh, uh, basically we want to provide applications that scale uh, even better. And uh, so, yeah, we have this reactor project in, in Pivotal, which is um, a reactive library foundations. Uh, so that, that's a project. Uh, uh, Stefan Maldini worked on that with Simon Baslet now, and that provide basically uh, a Java 8 based uh, reactive streams compliant reactive library. So reactive streams is a kind of uh, low level specification about how, how back pressure and how reactive uh, API should be managed. So Reactor is uh, similar to uh, Eric Java, for example, that people know uh, much, much more, uh, but it's Java-based, uh, Java 8-based, and maybe more targeted for, for server use case. And a, a very uh, huge part of the Spring Framework 5 is the reactive, uh, the reactive support uh, that includes some reactive codecs uh, built in uh, on top of, um, at the core of Spring. There is also support for various reactive libraries. So Reactor is obviously supported by default because it is used as the reactive foundation for the upcoming Spring Framework 5 that will be uh, at the core of Spring Boot 2. And uh, the, the biggest part is the new web framework. And that's, I think that's an important point, especially regarding to Kotlin. So the new uh, web framework uh, is a reactive web framework. So uh, in addition to Spring MVC, 
uh, that will continue to live and evolve and is perfectly fine for a lot of use cases. We are introducing a new reactive web framework, which is available in two flavors, uh, an annotation-based flavor. So basically, you will be able to reuse uh, the same kind of annotation that we have in Spring MVC, but running on top of a reactive non-bloating engine. Uh, you, you, we don't use directly and expose uh, the servlet API anymore. Uh, so uh, we are providing the choice to use a native-based engine uh, or a servlet if you want to continue to use it, but the most recent one, uh, servlet 3.1. And um, the nice thing is that it, it provides a, a reactive and non-blocking runtime, so that scale a little bit, that scale better, that's more suitable for streaming use case when you deal with WebSockets, server-sent events, when you want to consume um, stream API like Twitter one or thing like that. Uh, but um, it also provides a, a more functional programming model. And, and that's interesting because the, the web framework, the new web framework, we will announce its name in a few days or weeks or months, I'm not sure. Um, it provides both annotation-based and uh, functional style uh, programming models. So, as I said, the annotation-based programming model is close to Spring MVC once, but running uh, on top of uh, the reactive engine and using uh, Flux or Mono uh, reactor types or observable, flowable uh, Eric Java types. And the, um, the functional uh, programming model is basically reusing the same, uh, the same reactive web core, but uh, instead of using annotations, you are using uh, more uh, lambdas and you are using, uh, basically you are registering your, your web server routes with, with a more um, yeah, lambda-based approach. And um, the, the last thing that we added in Spring Framework 5 is also a, a functional approach to how you register bins. So in addition to XML uh, that is less used today and to Java config, which is the way where you, you declare a bins in, Java, in Spring Boot, for example, we are adding a third way to register your bins, which is um, lambda-based. So basically you have a supplier of bins which act as a, a factory bin. And I think that's a good fit with Kotlin because uh, Kotlin, Kotlin ca can totally be used with uh, regular Spring Boot annotation based uh, application like today. But uh, Kotlin embraces both uh, object-oriented and functional programming style. And uh, the kind of uh, functional web application that we are going to support with this new web and bin registration functional API uh, is, is maybe also a good fit with Kotlin because it uses both object-oriented and functional uh, approach. Uh, it's, uh, it is less based on Sejali proxies, for example. When you are registering a bins with a supplier, you don't use any more Sejali proxies like it's currently used in, 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 in Spring Boot uh, and at configuration programming models. So, I think both kind of application make sense. Uh, it depends of what you you like, basically. So both will provide, uh, yeah, uh, interesting use cases. Maybe the annotation. Uh, we all know the, the advantages of the current annotation-based programming model, and, and maybe the the lambda and functional-based programming model with will give you a little bit more of control uh, about what you are doing. And obviously, this kind of functional API is a good fit with reactive application because uh, reactive application based on uh, reactive APIs 
are also uh, mostly functional based so I think that's a good fit yeah and I definitely want to have you back at some point on a show to discuss this in a little bit more detail especially you know once you have this new project released um, it would be great to get into a little bit more around reactive programming and how that fits in with web and obviously with project reactor yeah sure uh, so if people are wanting to get more information about this, specifically those that are new to Spring, I know that there's, I mean, Spring Boot has also been around for a very long time and there's dozens, hundreds of articles, tutorials, etc. What would you say is the best source for people to get up and running quickly? I think currently the, the best way to start is to use, uh, uh, to use uh, various uh, template examples that I have created. So. Uh, I have a Spring Boot Kotlin demo that is a very uh, simple um, Spring Boot plus Kotlin uh, GPA uh, application. Uh, I have also created uh, another um, another uh, sample project uh, which uh, which is based on uh, Exposed, which is a, a Kotlin SQL library to 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 show the benefits of, of uh, uh, the Kotlin type system when it comes to to, to persistence. Uh, we are also building uh, this uh, Mixit. So Mixit is a conference. Uh, I, I, I'm an organizer of Mixit, but we are creating a new uh, Mixit website uh, using the latest Spring, Spring uh, Framework 5 uh, and uh, Kotlin Gotness. So uh, and you're gonna I, open source that? Assuming. Yeah, yeah, it's it's open source, and uh, I put the link in the in the blog post yesterday. Uh, so I think that's a good example uh, of um, a real application. So that, that will be not just a demo project, that will be a real uh, Spring Framework 5 reactive and Kotlin project suitable for production. So a little bit more complex, but that's also uh, show to people uh, a, a good real example of what a real application, not just a demo, uh, look like. Yep. Well, it's been fantastic having you on the show. I really much appreciate you taking the time. And as I mentioned, we'll definitely have you back to discuss some more things around reactive programming. So thanks for coming on, Sebastian.